What's more, you gotta get it done. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? Welcome into Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the Big Dog, Rick Watson. Prophetic the Kinks would be, huh? Here in 2024. 639-4900. You can uh, call us up on the Baker Team hotline. Text line's open for you, 744-2990. Anything that might be on your mind. Lots of uh, text messages flying out about numerous topics. The NCAA and their hypocrisy, this whole Tennessee thing. Um, trying to bring violations about something that has no rules, the NIL. <laughs> I mean, their main argument was, hey, we believe they're enticing recruits to come to their school with NIL money. You don't say. Huh. Wow. I mean, it's just crazy talk. I can't believe that that's... All right, many of you have jumped all over this whole NBA list again. All right. Kobe Bryant's another one I would have up there in my top five, no question. Kobe was a unicorn. Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, someone, uh, Polly, had said that he thought Shaq was the most dominant. He was um, very physical, sure. He wasn't the most skilled. He had skill at that position, but um, Shaq had a great career. Big fan of Shaq as a person. Now that he's uh, out of the game, he seems like everything I see about him is uh, well-received. Had a great career. He's a definite Hall of Famer. Uh, my all-time favorite player. I have two of them. I have uh, Moses Malone, and uh, who many younger people have no idea I'm talking about. And then, of course, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon with the Rockets. Um, Wilt Chamberlain, probably the most dominant because he was definitely a unicorn. I mean, there was nobody like him at all uh in the league at the time which is why he was what he averaged a double double for an entire season <laughs> think about that for a second he averaged a double double for an entire season lots of people talking about bird look i agree you don't have to you don't have to push me in that direction i, I loved uh, larry bird was uh, special beyond belief 
beyond belief. Uh, John Stockton just came in. Well, you can put him in the argument as one of the best point guards ever. Absolutely. Absolutely, you, you could. Complete understanding of the game. In every way, shape, and form. Yeah, I was getting ready to say it's kind of funny. I was getting ready to say Magic Johnson, I, for my money, is the best point guard ever. At 6'7", he could do so many things. There hasn't been anybody really uh, like him. Um, there's no question. No question. Magic is, was, and, and just is. The understanding that he had, too, man. The, the mental capacity of the game that Magic Johnson possessed. I mean, you talk about what he did physically. His understanding, and that's why he and Bird were so special, their understanding of the game, man, oh, man, just blows you away, especially when you watch the game today at that level, which is very difficult to watch. Very, very difficult to watch. You think about NBA players today and the latitude that they have. Hey, we got a Paul Westfall vote. That's pretty good. Yeah, the old Phoenix Sun. Yeah, he was a terrific player. Paul Westfall was a terrific player. Those Suns teams were really good. Late 70s. Yeah, absolutely. Um, They used to have those great unis, too, and then they ruined them with the new design. But you had... Situation in Milwaukee, where they fired their head coach. They had the second best record in the NBA at the time, all because a certain group of players didn't like him. Now, something else has got to come out about that because it still makes no sense that you're like 31 and 13 and you're let go. And they bring in Doc Rivers. You think that's going to do it for the Bucks, really? Okay. But we see it all the time in the league, and there's not really. There might be a coach on the sideline, but in most places, not in all, but in most places, that coach is nothing more than a figurehead in the NBA. The league's run by Adam Silver, who looks like an alien if you ever just kind of look at him. He's put himself behind the eight ball with the decisions that he's made, especially in recent years, giving the players complete control and autonomy, allowing them to take games off. I mean, the other night you had a big game that was nationally televised, right? You had uh, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, and Embiid sat out when they went to Denver. He sat out because you're allowed, what, 17 games where you don't have to play. I mean, that, is, that's, that, that in itself takes away from today's player, quality of player. Let's go to the Baker team hotline. Hey, good morning. Who's this? Rick, Big hey. Al, how are you today? Hey, Big Al, how you doing, man? Great. Glad you're back on the air. Missed you Monday. Well, we were here. We just didn't have our streaming available. Yeah. I know, but I'm not close enough to pick it up by local radio, so I had to wait for that posted later. Yeah. You know? I know. We had a, I think there was a massive outage throughout the whole town, um, surrounding communities for a couple of, uh, couple of days. I, I know some people that work at CVG in Dublin. They were down also in the Dublin area. Right, right. Okay, so I don't guess I've read the technical definition of NIL other than to entice players to come to your school. What else is NIL for? Correct. Correct. Absolutely. To, to pay them to play. Virginia Tech paid their big three women's basketball players a sizable amount to stay and play one more year to make another run at the Final Four. Facts. So 
what's the difference in that and what the NCAA is alleging that Tennessee did wrong with this quarterback that everybody was offering, by the way, <laughs> money to? What? I guess I'm at a loss at this juncture of the game. What uh, what authority to level any kind of penalties and enforce them does the NCAA currently have? They have none. They have none, and I think that's what this uh, the last statement, that last paragraph is important, um, what they were talking about. Because that's exactly right. The whole definition of the NIL is what you just said. That's why it's there, to try to compete now that it's allowed. The O'Bannon case was the final word when that case was won. That ended any NCAA legislative power over it. All right? So. Well, I, I guess my question is, other than greed and control, uh, you know, I think people have talked about uh, what was it Chip Kelly out at UCLA talked about, which is basically pulling all the division, I'll call them Division 1A or what is it, Bowl Championship, uh, mm-hmm. Football Bowl Series yeah. school into a giant league or conference, whatever team, whatever name you want to make, and then in turn – create new subdivisions. I mean, fundamentally, what I'm looking at is a model like the NFL, right? Sure. Absolutely. That's exactly what it would be. Bring your bring your regional rivalries back. And I know Notre Dame's always a fly in the ointment because they're not in a conference, but if you had 64 teams, you had eight divisions, they all have to play each other, and then they have to play other teams and other divisions that make regional sense i mean you're kind of back to the old model you had your eight division champions are the ones that go into the playoff i don't know why that's so hard to come to i know and i think you could get a commissioner just for football that way you can leave all the other sports alone they don't have to worry about these budgets that many of them can't really afford and absorb like football programs can i mean tech's going to have their budget hit hard having to go out to stanford right other schools will i mean it's going to change the way the money is allocated, and just in terms of travel budget with what's going on. Well, it just doesn't make sense from the standpoint. Uh, to me, college football grew in the fact that it had regional rivalries, uh, particularly in uh, more rural areas that don't have professional sports. So why take those rivalries away, bring back your traditional rivalries, have an authoritative body, to me, we're looking at a scenario similar to what baseball went through with the Black Sox. You appoint one commissioner that has absolute authority, and unfortunately, usually in a scenario like that, somebody has to be the first person that makes, I'll say, makes a mistake, and the new commissioner has to drastically penalize that person to set an example to show that they do have authority. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time the NCAA really did anything meaningful to anybody. Can you? No, I cannot. I cannot. They've been chasing shadows for the last decade, but no, they can They can. You know, act like they're putting allegations, I, I mean, or putting sanctions on these teams if they find out these alleged allegations are true. I don't, I'm not even sure what they're looking for here. Uh, it just They're just running around in circles right now with these – well, like, like the Miami investigation that went on for years and years, and they finally dropped it because they said they overstepped their bounds legally as far as uh, gathering evidence. 
you had it was either Bill Self or one of his assistants that had him on tape offering a hundred thousand dollars to a basketball recruit. I'm like, you know, these were blatant violations, and nothing happened. Absolutely. You had the academic issue at UNC, and I'm like, is it just certain schools that get penalized and the rest don't? I mean, it just it makes no sense to me how they enforce themselves. No, I agree 100%, man, and they can't. And that's why I think when I looked at this, as much as I like to give Tennessee folks a hard time, um, I had to just go, they, they're doing nothing that no one else in the country, I mean, that everybody in the else is, is not doing. Everybody's doing the same thing. This is just... They're being, they're being, I guess, um, identified because of what happened back during the summer with the other violations. I, I don't know. But it, there's no way this is going to hold up. There's not going to be any kind of damage that happens. Uh, Tennessee, if they get hit with something, they're just going to sue. And once again, the NCAA will lose. <laughs> right? They'll just lose, as always. Well, every, every NIL fight they had, they lost, a, they lost I believe, Nine to nothing. Correct. Many justices were on the various courts. Correct. My question is, if they don't get a grip on this and try to, I'll say, more evenly distribute the money for the overall benefit of the game right. instead of just two conferences, what I'm really concerned about is besides hurting college football, I think you stand a chance of really crushing collegiate athletics in general because nobody was going to – very few schools going to have the budget to have – Teams other than football and possibly basketball, which could break even. Mm-hmm. No question. No question. All right, big dog, you have a big day. Thanks, Al. Good to have you back, man. <laughs> Appreciate you. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was funny again. This last, let me read this paragraph again. This this sums it up beautifully. By the way, um. Let me find this rather. This is the um, this is the lawyer that this um, triumph esque group just giving you just bring it back to where we are here and let you identify with it a little bit uh, is the one who's going to really uh, the guy who um, wrote this whole thing um, that's going to end up defending this if it goes any further. It's called the, uh, what is it called here? The Sprite Sports Group, their version of the Triumph NIL. Okay? That's their version of this this whole thing. Um, Tennessee's chancellor also signed off on this statement. Um, The NCAA's enforcement staff's intended processing of the proposed allegations is replete with legal and procedural defects, including unsettled and outstanding interpretive questions that require further attention and input from the NCAA membership, particularly given the novel nature of the issue and the gravity of such determinations. Further, some of the allegations are simply factually untrue. It is intellectually dishonest for the NCAA to issue guidelines to say a third-party collective or a business may meet with a prospective student-athlete, discuss NIL, and enter into a contract with prospective student-athletes, but then at the same time say that that collective may not engage in conversations, just what Al was talking about, that would be of a recruiting nature. Any discussion about NIL factor in a prospective student-athlete's decision to attend an institution 
Yes, that's why it exists. This creates an inherently unworkable situation, and everybody knows it. The NCAA doesn't have a leg to stand on here. And I believe it's just they don't want to go out. They want to try to stick their head. Hey, remember us? Raising their arm in the very back of the room. Hey, we're the ones who allowed this to happen because we were all getting fat and happy. Remember all the years that we screwed over student athletes, especially football and basketball players, didn't give them a dime? Remember, we pocketed all that money and then we lost in court and lost all our power because we're just pointless? Remember us? We're trying to single out Tennessee now for doing what everybody in the country's doing. Ha <laughs> Yeah. It's exactly what it is. Al hit it right on the head. That's why the NIL is there. <laughs> There's no other reason the NIL is there but to compensate prospective student athletes to come and participate in your athletic programs. What am I missing here? Am I? Am I missing anything here? <sighs> wow. I mean, the only thing you can argue against is, is, does it make you feel weird about college sports? Does it really lessen your excitement about it? Sure. But there's nothing legally that this violates. Just to get into what an unserious organization the NCAA really is, remember a few months ago, not even a few months ago, a couple months ago, the new head football coach at Nebraska, Matt Rule, who uh, was an unsuccessful NFL coach, but I believe he's going to do some good things there in Nebraska. But remember when he came forward, and he wasn't complaining. Like People tried to say, oh, look at him. No, he was just explaining. He, He said, the reality out there, is that when we go and look at certain quarterbacks, I mean, there are a million-dollar offers to most quarterbacks. Right? And he just said, that's just the reality of where we are. He wasn't saying, oh, woe is me. He just said, look, if you're going to try to get a quarterback out of the portal, it's going to cost you at least a million dollars. A good quarterback. I didn't see the NCAA come forward with any kind of statement or anybody looking into that, right? (laughs) They've just selectively have chosen Tennessee because they feel like they're vulnerable because of what happened during the summer. Right? I mean, you have a head coach who says, we're out there on the road right now and we're hearing. He basically said, you know, we just dealt with the fact that we found out that, you know, your your million dollars is what it's going to cost you to get a new starting quarterback out of the portal. Certain guys. Right? So, where was the NCAA statement then? Oh, we got to look into this. We got to talk to Matt. No, because they know they have no authority. They know it's true, first and foremost. Oh, this is cool. Uh, text message coming in. Uh, my wife's uncle went to school with Moses Malone. Petersburg said he was the uh, most dominant high school player he ever saw. Allen Iverson was a close second. Called him Big Mo and was a great guy. Yeah, Moses Malone, for a guy who was, what, barely 6'8", great player. Great player. He, and he was the guy that got me to be a fan of the Rockets because I didn't know any better about anything about the NBA at that time. And I found out he was from Virginia, and I lived in Virginia. So as a little kid, I said, hey, that's going to be my team, and that's my guy, number 24, Moses Malone. Great player. I think he came up with, he was with the Utah Stars, Buffalo Braves for a couple days. I think he, Buffalo Braves for like two or three games and he was out, but 
Then he got his title later on with the Sixers. He changed his number to number two. Remember that? Great player, man. Moses Malone. No longer with us, God rest his soul. Wish I could have met him. Hokey Bob says, firewood violations? Question mark? Yeah. All right, we're going to get into all this uh, NCAA. Okay, wherever you might be. Text line's open for you, 744-2990. Many people uh, chiming in and just laughing at the NCAA after this uh, Tennessee story. Yeah, because you want to laugh at Tennessee, right? But you can't because they're not doing anything nobody else is not doing. Just <laughs> Michael writes in, yeah, I was going to bring up the whole Matt Rule conversation. I didn't hear or read anything about an NCAA reaction. He's just out there on the market, and that's what he's finding out or what he probably already knew. Agreed. So he just came forward with he was asked about it. He wasn't complaining. He just said, hey, this is what you need to have. Got to have it, which I think he also said, that's why the NIL is so important. If I'm not mistaken, he also tied it right in. So, yeah, yeah. All right. So here's where you turn your head sideways. And look, I'm not going to try to sit here and, and just dive headfirst into a conspiracy theory, all right? Um, but Front Office Sports yesterday reported that the NFL's relationship with Taylor Swift and her dating Travis Kelsey has created a brand value of $331.5 million, citing data from the Apex Marketing Group. That data accounts for the print, digital, radio, television highlights, and social media monitoring. Uh, Taylor Swift, since she attended her first Chiefs game back on September the 24th. It calculated a financial amount for each occurrence based on, quote, reach and impact, according to the report. How about that? $331.5 million. Now, you remember when all this started, I had said, I believed it was a large marketing thing because, well, obviously she is very good at marketing herself and how the league would benefit from this in ways that we can only imagine. Well, now we have a number attached to it. So then you see the Chiefs go in and upset the Ravens and immediately people are saying, well, here you go. Well, here's one thing that is true. The NFL definitely wanted the Chiefs to be back in the Super Bowl with Taylor Swift there. There's no question they did. They would lie about it and say they didn't have a preference, whatever. But the bottom line is they would absolutely be dishonest if they tried to tell you they're not happy she's going to be at the game. 
Female viewership is up just because she is there being shown up 9% from last season. All right? Up 9%. So the NFL is getting a huge boost. They already are, you know, they're going to make $20 billion or more this fiscal year. But you add almost half a billion to their kitty just because she is there at these games. So, let me ask you a question. Even if you do not subscribe to the conspiracy theory, let me ask you this question. (laughs) Do you not see the conflict of interest here and why people wouldn't, or why people would indeed think, well, of course, this is the way it was scripted. You understand, right? Roger Goodell doesn't, Seem to understand that. Here's what he said in response to this. Hey, look, they seem happy. They're enjoying their relationship. That's great. But it has indeed connected more fans of Taylor's and more fans of the NFL in some ways to see they have a connection. So and he kind of is admitting the advantages of that relationship to his league. And look, I'm not going to say um, that this was an orchestrated event. I don't, you know, looking back at the Ravens just weren't very good Sunday. I mean, they just weren't. Lamar wasn't good. Just weren't good. But there's no doubt that this is what the NFL wanted. And if anybody doesn't think that, I don't know. You're like the NCAA coming after schools or <laughs> Using the NIL. (laughs) Don't think the NFL, they didn't care the Ravens had the best record. They're just glad that they're going to have all this extra sideshow. And we're going to end up with the highest rated Super Bowl of all time. I know every year it seems to top itself, but we're going to have the highest rated worldwide Super Bowl ratings in the history of the Super Bowl. And once it's all tallied, depending on how much more it is, they are going to cite this whole Taylor Swift presence as being a major factor. That's just where we're headed. That's just the reality of it. All right? Just what it's going to be. Hucky Bob says, hope Kelsey had a Taylor Swift clause in his contract. (laughs) That's true. I mean, you have incentive clauses to go out and catch, you know, what? 100 balls, 20 touchdowns, 15 touchdowns, whatever it might be. By the way, if you can hook up with the most popular pop singer in the world, I mean, who knows what that contract might look at, Right? But that's what's going to happen. It's exactly what's going to happen with the Super Bowl. So, $331.5 million is hard to look at and not first thought that comes to your mind. Well, of course the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. I mean, the Chiefs weren't great most of the year. 
heck, almost lost the AFC West division lead. They go into Buffalo and win. They go into Baltimore and win. I mean, I, you got to understand people who are not taking the NFL very seriously in terms of its outcomes now, right? I mean, we went over this. It's true. I get it. I get the scrutiny. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to subscribe to every conspiracy theory, but I get the scrutiny. I understand it. I've had it myself. When you watch the fact that they don't correct their officials and you see some of the calls that are made, I get it. No, I'm not going to be playing any Taylor Swift music. No. <laughs> Someone said I should be playing Taylor Swift music. <laughs> said she's making all this money. No, no, that's, that's okay. If you want to enjoy that on your own, then that's your choice. Then more power to you. I'm very happy for you. But no, no, I did. I did um, when all this started, because I got to be honest, I wasn't even sure what one of the Taylor Swift songs was until people sent me these songs. And I went, oh, okay, yeah, I have heard, I've had, I have heard that one before. But no, I won't, I won't play any. If, like I said, if you want to celebrate her uh, gaining power for the NFL and do that, then you know what? That is your choice, and you have every right to make that choice. But no, no, not not here. I hear enough of it during uh, women's sports, you know, pregame music down at Radford. I get enough of it now that I realize who it is. Oh, okay, that's who that is. Okay. That's a lot of money, man. It's a lot of money just to be sitting in a press box, isn't it? She's kind of like... She's the modern day of the band Kiss. And I'm going to ruffle a lot of feathers here. Kiss, although I, you know, I enjoy some of their music, right? Kiss had the best marketing gimmick maybe ever in rock and roll with the makeup, right? I mean, that was... Enormous. Wonderful, smart, head of their time, man, in the marketing. Um, Taylor Swift is the modern-day kiss. Not a great deal of ability, but the marketing genius, her and her posse, her and her crew. Right? Like, she doesn't sound too much different for me. I mean, too much different to me than any other pop stars out there. She doesn't stand out. She's, you know, her songs don't stand out. They're just the same old tripe that's run out there today. And it is what it is. If you like it, that's great. It's not like she's this unique artist. Kiss wasn't a band that had great musical ability they were they were okay they had songs I liked I mean I, I liked a lot of their songs I mean I could crank some Detroit Rock City right now and be happy about it but they didn't they didn't stand out other than their marketing gimmick and Gene Simmons right 
being the serpent, the star child in Paul Stanley. Peter Chris the cat, right? They had characters. They had to create a gimmick. And it worked beautifully. It was really ahead of its time. There's a whole documentary on the whole KISS marketing. It's, it's worth a watch, man. They were, Gene Simmons is one of the smartest business people that's ever been in rock and roll. And I think Taylor Swift is a modern-day version of that, although in a different genre. She knows how to market herself. She became a billion-dollar earner because of it. I don't think it's because... You sit there and watch her sing and go, wow, man, she is just (laughs) lights out. I mean, I'm not saying she sings badly. I'm just saying she doesn't stand out, right? Well, she's standing out for the NFL because her presence alone, $331 million. And the NFL is a marketing machine. And this plays right into what they do better than anything else, and that's market themselves. They become better at marketing their league than they do upholding the rules of the games that make their league. That discipline officials... All right? They're more about, instead of the substance, they're more about the style. And I think they would readily admit that. If they were worried about the substance, then they would correct their officials. They would look into it when coaches and fans have a problem with what they're watching, the product on the field. But they don't. They don't. They've, they rarely even give lip service to it. But boy, as soon as this is announced that Taylor Swift's bringing the NFL $331 million more million, Roger Goodell had a statement. See how that works? So, any event, I get it when people are turning their heads sideways when they see those numbers and wonder, oh, gee, the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. They have a unicorn at quarterback that's the major part of that. But this also is an added bonus for the league. There's no doubt about it. And for Taylor Swift fans, nobody else other than you know, Travis Kelsey, I guess. But it's not going to go away. And CBS, I'm sure, is already, as they plan out their Super Bowl coverage, I guarantee you they have a production crew that is focused solely, primarily, on how they're going to handle Taylor Swift being at the Super Bowl. There is no doubt in my mind that that's the case. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Louise Baker will be in the studio. Give away some tickets. Bill Roth. Roth Report. David Teal after that in the Power Hour. We'll be back. I know about courage.
Hi, I'm Bud Foster, defense coordinator for Virginia Tech Hokies. You're listening to the Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Finishing up uh, our second hour of three. Got the Hall of Fame Power Hour coming up. The Roth, Roth Report. We Baker will be in studio. We'll be giving away some tickets. Tech Women Hoops. Then David Teal will follow that. Looking forward to getting into a good ACC basketball discussion with uh, David. I'm not sure how to look at this league. I think it's fun to watch. It's competitive. There's some... You know, like last night, right? I mean, Georgia Tech stepping up and beating Carolina. The Tech-Duke game was fun. But maybe in terms of the national appeal, once you get down to Selection Sunday, maybe maybe that doesn't translate over. I want to talk to him about all that. These are still good basketball teams, and, and maybe they're just, like uh, Keon talked about, maybe they're just beating up on each other. And maybe, maybe they're knocking themselves down the chain, but I, you know I don't think it's bad basketball just because the league's competitive. And if anything, maybe that just speaks to how deep the league is. You know, Miami—they've been struggling. They got off to a good start. Virginia has had its struggles. Tech has been up and down. I mean, Carolina felt it last night for the first time. Duke has had its—you know—they lost at home to Pitt. I mean, it, it's. It's legitimately just a uh, – not every game because Louisville has been pretty bad, but even they have one pretty massive win this year. So if a league is really good and competitive, I don't know if that means that that league is bad. It just means that maybe there's not as much separation from top to bottom like you have in the Big 12 where it's a really good league and – You know, it's it's the best league in the country. They're going to get maybe eight to ten teams potentially into the NCAA tournament. So we'll talk to both Bill and David about that, where we're headed with the ACC and hoops and and what it looks like to them. Because, like I say, whenever I watch an ACC game, it's it's very competitive. And if, as a fan, that's what we want. You know, you want to put on a game and just see Carolina. Nobody wanted to watch unless you're a Carolina fan. You want to watch Carolina go in there and to Atlanta and – Blow out Georgia Tech by 20? No, it didn't happen. I mean, and that's what makes uh, makes games have television appeal. But I do believe the league is the way it looks now. They're they're definitely uh, potentially anyway. They could be on the outside looking in to get a lot of bids in the NCAA tournament coming up. And it's not that way on the women's side, but on the men's side, that's that's what we're looking at. So we'll talk to both of those individuals about that. And I mentioned Louise will be in the studio giving away some women's basketball tickets. Uh, great discussions today. Great text messages coming in. I can't get to all of them. But uh, just know I value your opinion very much. And I do appreciate you taking the time to send stuff forward. It means a lot. 744-2990. I, I, I go back, even if I don't address it here on the show, when I have a moment or two, when I'm at my other gig down at RU, I will go through and, and read the text messages. It's always a lot of fun. And I learn a whole lot just from uh, the vibe you get from that and what folks are thinking. And I would say that the whole response, about 90% or so, agreed that uh, NCAA and this whole Tennessee issue is nothing more than a desperate attempt to put yourself back into a place of power that doesn't exist. All right, hour three coming up, the Roth Report. Luis Baker in studio. Stay with us. 
as we motor along here on this hump day. Don't forget, are you hoops at home tonight against Charleston Southern, 7 o'clock.